in episode 11 of Tech It Up Talk. Tune into a discussion about the need for more education leaders to embrace technology as a part of their leadership practice with Dr. Travis Taylor and Mr. John Amundsen. You ready? Here we go. The Tech It Up Talk podcast aspires to educate, inform, and inspire educators from teachers to school leaders on tips, tools, and resources to support the integration of technology into classroom instruction. You're listening to Tech It Up Talk with Dr. Mack, your host with the most passion for supporting educators from teachers to school leaders with the integration of technology into instruction. In today's show, we are discussing the need for more education leaders to embrace technology as a part of their leadership practice. Because we all know that leadership matters. And even more so due to our current time with COVID having a major impact in education. And definitely leadership helps support with the culture and capacity for effective use of technology in schools. So joining me today, I have two amazing guests who are also instructional technologists in the work with supporting schools and leaders with implementing and coaching the use of technology. And so I'm gonna go ahead and bring them on and introduce you to Dr. Travis Taylor and Mr. John Amesson, who is not new to the show, has been a reoccurring guest and I'm excited to have them both on today. So welcome guys to the show. I'm excited to have you here. It's a pleasure to have others in the field to help uh, share their voice and support the move as we're helping to support other educators with the implementation of technology into instruction. And so if you guys can go ahead and introduce yourself. So we'll start with you, Dr. Taylor, if you want to uh, just share your background a little bit about what you do. Okay, first I wanna uh, thank you for the opportunity uh, to be a part of this uh, podcast. Uh, I think you're doing a wonderful uh, job. I think I've, you know, I've watched uh, your some of your other work, and I'm, I'm you know, um, just just really thankful to be a part of this. Uh, my name is Dr. Travis Taylor. I am an instructional technology specialist in the Little Rock School District in Little Rock, Arkansas. And so my background and what I do is basically we do a lot of training, uh, professional development, and support for a lot of the classrooms and administrators uh, with the current technologies, and we uh, provide training and classes. Uh, in those areas. Uh, my background really began in music. So it's one of the reasons why I kind of gravitated into educational technology. Um, at the time, you know, I'm uh, multimedia, music recording, video, those types of things were the things that kind of drew me and, and put, pulled me over into the technology field. So um, again, I am just grateful to be here and I'm looking forward to the conversation. All right. I'm glad to have you here, John. I'm glad to be back. Thank you, uh, Dr. Mack. Uh, I've been in instructional technology for the last eight years, working with a one-to-one program. We started with our high schools, and this year we are trying to go one-to-one with all the schools because of the current situation that everybody's in. And so it's uh, got a lot of experience and a lot of people that we're trying to help. And uh, as usual, I'm always glad to be on your show and have great conversations with great guests. Right, right. Well, as I said before, the goal for this episode is to really discuss the importance of school leaders really embracing technology as a part of their leadership practice to support building culture and capacity for effective use of technology in schools, as well as provide some tips and best practices for using and implementing technology as a leader. And so what challenges are teachers currently faced with that you've seen? Um, well, I think the, the, the major challenge I think that teachers have dealt with is the fact of the change of the classroom structure. Um, you know, we've had the traditional classroom that we've been enjoying for decades now. And, um, and even though, you know, we in the educational technology field have been pushing uh, more student centered and, and getting into more virtual and personalized learning, um, I don't think that the adoption pace was really uh, as fast as I think we it really could have should have been in a lot of cases. So this has caused you know the teachers to really shift, and it, and it was really a shift of an abrupt shift. Actually, it is almost like an extreme. We're going like from one end of the spectrum all the way to the other, and yes. I think that it and it has increased a lot of, of fear uh, that the teachers already had. And it's not teachers don't usually it's not a lot of fear with technology. They fear failing with technology, and so and it, it becomes an issue of 
of my competency as an educator, particularly when you look at a lot of the political issues and things around teaching and what's the demands of, of teaching and that sort of thing and how that should be evaluated. So you just increase that 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 uh, potential for fear of failure with the technology. And also I'll, it, I'll, it increased uh, a level of isolation for a lot of teachers um, being disconnected and being virtual. Now, to, to on the other on the flip side of that, you had some school districts who were already planning um, and we'll talk about this a little later, but you've had some who've been planning uh, years out and going virtual and looking at the virtual options. So this was mainly just a pivot for them. And I think there are some districts and some schools that were in a better position to pivot. They may not have wanted to do it right now, but I think they you know they were in a better position to, to um, pivot and, and move forward. Yeah, I think it's been very interesting because uh, our district had some experience uh, with one technology that we've been doing over the years like I said, through our high school system, but this forced immersion that's happened with all grade levels has kind of forced everybody to get in there. And uh, you were talking about the fear of technology. I think just the, the just change overall gives teachers a little antsy feeling about what their responsibilities are going to be. And uh, the fact that we went to kind of a virtual system when all this started and people were trying to get used from going to the traditional classroom to this virtual system. And in our particular district, we've actually got a concurrent system or a hybrid system where we have some students that have come back and teachers are doing the virtual teaching and teaching those kids in class at the same time. Yeah. And now this has just added yet another struggle on top of that. So there is a little bit of frustration out there and yeah. the learning curve is, is coming on very quick and very rapid, like you're saying. Right. Yes. I mean, those are uh, great points and uh, definitely gives us some insight of what teachers are going through, which kind of brings back the focus on how we can continue to support our leaders to help build capacity within their campuses. Because um, my next question was like, well, who do you think are teachers main support for even using technology just currently, even pre-COVID or, or now? You can go ahead, John. <laughs> well, I know for the, the schools where we were implementing things, we would have a campus instructional technologist. And for the schools that took advantage of this position, having somebody there five days a week that teachers could go to for support, come visit them during their PLCs, uh, staff trainings, department trainings. It's If it's utilized correctly, it's been a big help in getting those people to kind of make that turn. Now, recently, there's usually people that have been named the instructional technologist that may not have been an instructional technologist who we're trying to give uh, support from a district level, but they are also teachers or they're APs and they, they have other positions. And usually when you try to do that and you don't have an exclusive person doing the instructional technology throughout the week, you know, you're only getting as much as they can put into it. So it's better than nothing. Uh, I also think teachers are kind of reaching out everywhere. So the ones that are proactive, they're going online, they're following blogs, they're trying to get some additional training, talking to their peers, their friends, anything they can. Uh, for those teachers that are maybe not that proactive, I'm a little worried about that because they're waiting for some direction and that gets back to the campus leadership, which I know we're going to talk a little bit more about in just a minute. Yeah, I totally agree um, with that. I, I think if anything, uh, this the COVID situation has shined a light on the need for instructional technology. If you don't have a instructional technology department or you have those coaches, I think it really um, creates a, a need for, for administration to really look at that and states to look at what you have in those positions, because those are going to be your first line of people of support, because mm -hmm. in most cases they should be and or are going to be teachers. Uh, who are teaching with technology and comfortable with technology and sharing the use of technology. So um, I, I believe it, it, it's it's the front line, uh, those coaches in the classroom, but there also has to be a level of, of support uh, at the administration level um, that where, and, and it's when I'm, when I say that it has to be not, it has to be a, a supportive role of encouragement of, um, of something that that's really proactive in the, in the area of teaching, um, so that they feel that those above them um, are really behind them and, right. and not just alone. Because and I think we, you know, I talked about that, um, that brings up an adoption model. And, and, and one of those, and in that model, it talks about how, you know, 
how do I feel or what are my perceptions of, the, of my bosses or my uh, management wanting me to use the technology, you know? And, and so that was like a measurement. And so those are, th- are the perceptions and things that teachers uh, often have. And I think that, you know, so they really need that support uh, from the, in the classroom uh, with the coaches and definitely from the administration. Yeah, no, I agree. I think there's a, it's basically you changing the culture of a campus and before the pandemic, uh, if you were introducing a one-to-one program of any sort, that's what we always would talk about is this is going to take many years to change the culture of this campus to want to do this on a regular basis. Uh, and to make that culture change, it has to come from the top down. Uh, the, the principal needs to be talking about it on a very regular basis, not only with the staff, but with their administration. They should try to model what they're talking about and they can use these things with their administration when it comes to meeting notes or communication tools with the campus. They should be highlighting teachers that are advancing in this and they should have a realistic assumption of what this is going to take. Not everybody is going to be a high flyer. If all of a sudden you were like, hey, this is the situation we're in. We brought you some devices. Here are some tools. Go. Everybody needs to go from the bottom to the top and be high flyers by the end of the year. That's not realistic. Uh, but if they're, if the message is we are going to change and adapt and grow. And so what we want to do is wherever you are at the beginning of the year, if you can slowly grow, uh, throughout the year and just show growth in the positive direction, that's what we want to see. You'll get a little bit this year. You'll do a little more the, the next year and a little more the year after that. Uh, and I think if they take that approach, that is the best way to get that cultural change, you know, kind of in the long run. Since we're focusing on leaders now, what are some of their challenges? What are they challenged with in having to um, lead, I guess, during our current time and uh, be that model for the teachers? Well, I think the just the very structure and the nature of the educational system is actually being altered um, in, 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 in ways where there are some things, barriers and, and walls and things are being broken down, where there's this fluidity uh, because of asynchronous and then there's the fact that things can be synchronous. So all that's a, is, is affecting the actual structure. And that's a problem because if you look, you know, when you go through their, their educational periods, those areas where they were in school or, or getting licensure, we knew that education was going to look this way. We've always known education will look a certain way. So now it's looking totally different. We didn't go to school for this one. And so now the question becomes, how do we adapt? Um, I think that... Uh, one thing that we're also trying to do is that in a lot of cases, they're looking for that indication to when we can go back to normal or we're trying to prepare to when we can get back to normal. And I think 2019 normal is gone. We're never going to see 2019 normal again. Yes. It's going to be a whole different level of normal. And I think that's the thing that I think we have to really I think they're going to have to really start grappling with is that, you know, stop trying to get back to 2019. And start and I think it's we're in a, the technology gives us the ability to define what our future can be, and not mm-hmm. allow the technology or or the media companies or whoever to determine what that is. We have the ability and the power. The, the technology is is malleable. It will it will mold to however which way we want to shape it. And I think that's where and that, but that just takes a level of courage and in a sense some kind of type of faith to because right. um, you're dealing with ambiguity because you don't know what that looks like. Yeah, I mean, this new normal that is going to be coming up. I think you're right. the The old normal is is gone, and it we may get back to a new normal. Whereas uh, we will have students back in classrooms and teachers back in classrooms. But what that classroom is going to look like, what the work production is going to look like, what students are going to be able to do outside of the school system will change. And all these things we're being forced to utilize now. Uh, People really do need to get that, get comfortable with it because that's going to be part of their new normal. They will continue to meet with kids online. They will continue to do groups uh, online. Kids are going to be working asynchronously. They're still going to have synchronous time. That's part of the new norm. So like you're saying, but if they think they're ever going to go back, they're not. And just like other industries have been affected by all this, like if you look at retail, uh, this is a little off topic, but it, it, I'm going to pull it back around, Jocelyn. So give me a second. <laughs> e-commerce was growing like at 1% a year. And in the like three months during this period of time, it grew 10%. So it grew a decade's worth of growth inside of this year compared to what it had been doing. 
So it's, it's been forced to to be this new normal, right? And we've seen that on, on the retail states. I think education is doing the same thing. It's being forced to get pushed into the future with uh, at the rate of growth we were doing before, which probably wasn't that much. And uh, if you're in instructional technology, you knew how hard it was just to get people to use yeah. these devices <laughs> and tools. But over this year, we are really beginning to see how effective uh, student responses and what students are mm-hmm. able to adapt to. And those things that mm-hmm. have a positive impact for student learning are going to be the things that stick. And just like it was previous before this, we've always had tools come and go. Uh, we're going to find tools that really work well for the new normal in the classroom. And that's where we're going to progress. And, and, you know, I think, yeah, educational technology as an industry is going to be extremely strong probably for the next decade. And I think like we've been talking about, leadership needs to be aware of that, that that is part of the new normal and you you need to kind of come on board or you're going to get left behind. Right, I, yeah. I have one more thing I want to just uh, add in with that. Uh, the other thing I think leaders are also having to grapple with is that um, the boundaries of the school district are now have just really disappeared. So that means that schools are using virtual learning now to increase their, in other words, they're not going to be, I know a school district right now, and there are several in Arkansas, they're not, they're looking at, they're not going to depend on the locale of the students there, uh, only as far as for, for enrollment, that they are reaching out outside their borders, outside of the county, across the state, and even probably across into other states where students are starting to come, will be coming into your school that not necessarily in your local community because they're not depending on that. And I think those are things that the leaders are now having to really grapple with of how they can alter and change the educational system locally to address a more uh, global uh, school system. I think it's, it's about, we're about to see an evolution, I think, um, in, in, in school boundaries and in school districting because of this, the virtual thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a very answer your question, Jocelyn, I think one of the main things that leadership has to deal with is everything they dealt with before in the past for regular schooling and all this new stuff's been dumped on them, just like the teachers are kind of bombarded with all this. I think the leaders are too. And it's not really fair to ask them to just be able to, to get it in, you know, a few months. It's going to, this year is a learning year. And uh, next year we're, we're going to hope that they'll, they'll adopt some of these new philosophies to help, you know, and if they, if they really look at it, some of these things we're asking teachers to do to make their life a little bit easier working with the students Leadership can do it as, as well. And it, some of those things they've had problems with, they can use the same technology to also make their lives a little bit easier so they can adapt into this new way of leading. Um, you, know, you know, I've said this before, like for me, this is a positive thing of things that we wanted to see pre-COVID um, that, and supporting campuses. And so a lot of the things that they're having to learn to do were things that were in place by, you know, a smaller population probably within a campus. But definitely the, these are things that were happening. Um, prior to now they're being kind of forced to it. But um, I'm also seeing that, you know, we, we have leaders who may have acknowledged that technology is important. However, they've probably assigned or delegated that task, but they're not necessarily embracing and leading with it as part of their culture to help support that culture because they, some of them, a lot of them don't feel comfortable themselves. And so um, mm-hmm. if you're uncomfortable, what do you think your teachers are experiencing, right? And so they're having to, they have that level of uncomfortability because you're evaluating them, yet you're not, unco- you're not comfortable with using the tools that you're expecting them to implement with fidelity into uh, a classroom environment to make a positive impact in, in student learning. And which is why I think the show is uh, relevant so other leaders can hear that they have to embrace technology as a part of their leadership practice. And you don't have to be the expert, but you have to have some part of that take ownership so you can build a culture around your campus and your teachers to have that effect there because we can't just depend on them. You know, they're you're you're evaluating them based on their actions or uh, whatever your goals are for your campus. So you need to be in sync with that, which is going to lead into my next question. So how or what are some things that leaders can do to embrace technology as a part of their leadership practice? I think to adapt it into their everyday situations, if they're having meetings, introduce something. I mean, they should there should be some sort of support that their district would have. So if they wanted to learn how to use OneNote, for instance, you know, they could do something like that. If they uh, whatever the tools are, uh, if it's a if they wanted to learn to make a video and and do some sort of flipped 
assignment with their agenda for their administrative meeting so they could see what they're going to do and then have more time to talk about it. I think they just need to start introducing some of that stuff with their administration so they get a good understanding of what these tools do and what they look like. So then when they are doing interactions with teachers, they can actually get a better understanding of what they're seeing that their teachers are doing with the students. And I, I think that's the best thing they can do. Yeah, um, yeah, it is about simply about that awareness of what are the technology tools that are out there and what do they do. And you don't have to be a a guru, um, mm-hmm. that sort of thing, to be in, in a technology leader. But it is about having an awareness and understanding what the technology, what the purpose of it, and how it fits within the system and how it relates to the system. Um, that was a study uh, when I was doing the dissertation. There was one of the studies that I saw that what I really liked was the one from twenty twelve. Where they looked at um, they looked at t- principals and leaders. They talked to leaders from uh, large schools, small schools, East Coast, West Coast, public, private, charter. And one of the things that was that came about of the study was that technology has to be managed systemically. In other words, there are multiple parts of technology that have to be that have to be addressed, but they have to be addressed simultaneously. And that you can't address one without addressing the other. And so when you start looking at systems thinking. And understanding those uh, uh, strategic thinking around uh, systemic thinking, then you can kind of see how technology plays and how it relates. And because, but you have to have a, a, a systemic view of your organization of what relates to what and how this affects this over here. And so then we can see how the technology fits in, not only just how it fits in, but then how do we move forward with the technology and what it's going to affect. You, you know, to uh, kind of continue on with the research. And so, there, there's research that shows that when leaders um, lead with technology, some type of some attribute of technology in to their practice, that it has a positive impact on teachers' technological literacy, which then begins to impact their technological effectiveness in the classroom or their ability to use technology in the classroom because their leaders are using it um, with some capacity to help kind of build that culture around that. And so in one of the studies I read, it was talking about five dimensions of technology or five dimensions of attributes that leaders can embrace or have as a part of their leadership to kind of support that model. And so what we can do now, is I'll just share, you can maybe just give me some tips. You guys kind of touched on some of this already, but uh, one of the very first dimensions was on planning um, and having a vision and management. And so what advice would you give other leaders in regards to planning, vision, and management? Well, the one question I would always ask the leader is, who are you listening to? You know, who, who are you? you know, it, so we talk, what we're talking about is that professional learning network and building that. You know, who are you listening to um, as far as in the media, social media, who are you following? Or are you even following people in social media? Um, I have a throwback to old technology. I still use RSS feeds, you know, because blogs generate RSS feed, podcasts wow. generate RSS feed. And I have a podcast uh, uh, RSS reader that I, and every morning I'm getting up and I'm reading, going through the RSS feeds to see what the industry is doing, what the trends are. And so I think leaders should build that professional learning network just by just doing that. Um, and also, I would really strongly suggest that they get involved with COSIN at what COSIN.org, because COSIN is, has really designed for and has research and support for uh, technology leadership uh, with the with the CETL uh, certification that they've come up with. And this there they do uh, research and 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 um, they give you the trends of what's happening in education technology around leadership. I would definitely start with COSIN. Oh, it's COSIN.org is a great place for leaders. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. They should network out. They should educate themselves, find some avenues. Like you said, even if it's just a blog, if you're going to listen to a podcast, if you're going to join an association, if you really want to be a leader in the educational industry, you're going to know just like teachers are. And that's the way we do it. So you can stay up to date because things do move fast. Things do change. And if you kind of want to know where the trends are going, uh, that's kind of where you need to be. The other thing I would say is to have a goal. What, what is your end result that you're trying to get? have that mapped out and then kind of reverse plan that out to get to those that point. And, and if that's a shared view within your, your district and you're just a, a part of that, or if you're uh, doing this kind of solo on your campus and maybe your district doesn't quite have the plan, you know, you need to have that down on what you're going to do and set up that goal and, and let your teachers know what that goal is. 
because that's the one thing I have found that if they know what that goal is, it is much easier to get them to adapt and change and learn and participate into this thing. If they don't know what that goal is, it, it gets pretty difficult. Yeah. Like you said, articulation. Like you said, what they know, what they go. And that comes from being able to articulate that vision. And I think that's one of the things I really look for and, and look for in leadership or, or when, when I'm like, particularly if I'm in meetings and, and, and networking events, I, I zero in on these leaders that can go in and just really articulate what that vision is down. They can be very uh, discriminant and how they're going to do it and what they're going to do. Um, those are the things I've always been impressed by a lot of uh, leaders. And I would add to when they're articulating that vision to take that as an opportunity for them to model oh, them yeah. using it as a, as a practice. And, and, you know, sometimes we say you have to just show them the next tool. You don't have to always just show them the tool. Just use a tool. Uh, use it in the manner in which you would expect your teachers to do. If you're checking for understanding and you want to check for understanding with your teacher audience, then leverage some component of a resource that you may want them to uh integrate into your building as a part of your meetings when you're having your staff development meetings or just uh, your campus meetings or whatever it is or your professional developments that you have assigned for your campus, which brings me to the next dimension, um, is talking about um, leaders who embrace or think through staff development and training. And so do they have like purposeful PDs assigned or provide resources for teachers? So do you guys have any advice for leaders centered around staff development and um, training? Practice. (laughs) (laughs) If you want to do it, practice it, you know, and the more you do it, the easier it gets. That's with almost all the, all these uh, tools and, and, you know, tries when these, when these principals are trying to do these things, you don't want it to be too difficult where you try it and you get frustrated because that's what we see with some of the teachers. Right. So just, do it in easy, small steps. Don't try to do something big right away. Just do something small. Try it out. If it works on a regular basis, just incorporate it in as part of the regular. And then when you want to add something in or expand it, then do it from there. But don't try to just say, we are going to transform the way we do everything starting now. Because right. then you'll just get frustrated. Well, that's how we always do come from ISTE. That's the first thing you do. You leave ISTE, you leave that, that – um, that final keynote, you would always come back and we, we, this is what we're going to do in the district. We're going to change the district and we're going to do this because you'll find that one, yeah, that one buzzword, that one catchphrase you see at ISC and that's what you're going to go back to the district and do. Um, but uh, with leaders, um, one of the things is, particularly with PD, is I'm finding, for me, it is doing the training myself. It's when I train, there's so much that I learn when I train or when, I, when I'm teaching. Uh, if, if there's nothing more than how to deliver it better, but as I'm reading the audience and I'm reading the, the those who are participating, I, a lot of times from their questions and feedback, I can see areas where they may they may not understand something where I need to come in and redesign how I present something to provide more support of understanding or scaffolding as it would uh, some of the learning. And I think that leaders, you know what? I know of two uh, district superintendents right now who do technology professional development themselves for their staff. They they did their own. Like and we're talking with iPads and we're talking with and we're not talking about with just a, you know, show me a slide here. They were, were talking down and dirty in the nitty gritty um, professional development. And, and he and and this goes back to what you were saying about the level of influence that leaders have. They they were they were doing those changes. They were demonstrating the technology and they were pushing their staff. And you just had this level of staff. And but that were that was really performing at this this crazy rate because the leader was pushing it. The leader was doing and he he wasn't lead, this wasn't for the teacher. This is what he was pushing to the administration staff and right. everybody in middle level management, middle level um, administration. So that the influence that leaders have, particularly with technology uh, adoption, is, is very powerful. And um, it, 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 it flows downstream. I mean, it starts at the top and how how well that you want. Uh, technology be adopted and implemented in your district depending mm-hmm. on how well you are willing to go to uh, make that happen. Right. And I'm glad you said that because they have to also have a level of vulnerability to to be OK. Oh, yeah. with. And we know that um, a lot of leaders, they have to they feel that they have to have this presence. of I got it together um, for those who may work for them and they don't want to mess up or, you know, or look bad because they're the leader in the campus. But sometimes that vulnerability of you being able to show that, hey, I may not be the expert at this, but we're going to get this together. Um, We're going to learn together and develop together, especially now, because 
at the end of the day, we are all people and we all wake up and say good morning to and we have loved ones and, you know, we want to be valued and we're not perfect all the time. And so it's OK to show some of your imperfections if technology is not your strength. And even if you're relying on a source at your campus to help support you in that uh, process, if you have a campus instructional technologist, that's great. Don't just solely rely on them to do all the work and right. you just kind of assign that task over there to them and you just focus on other priorities because then you don't create that culture. That culture is being created through the person who's not evaluating the staff. And so if you're going to be uh, giving instructional uh, um advice and have expectations of your teachers, then you need to also come in and embrace. And if you're not uncomfortable with it, get uncomfortable, get in line. Everyone yeah. is at this point. Look, we're, we use technology all the time and things are always happening. You know, tech happens. And um, it's just okay for you to identify that as the leader. It makes your teachers more comfortable when they're having those challenges in the classroom. What would you guys like to see leaders doing to embrace technology as a part of what we've been talking about? Trying it. Just give it, give it a shot. Go out there and give it a shot. Don't expect to be the best. You truthfully, and if your end goal is to help the students, you don't want to be the best. You really want that to float down to your teachers or your instructional technologists or something. But give it a try and, and really just have the message there. Be on board with the idea that this is this is our new norm and the way we are going to be successful in this new environment, whatever it ends up settling down or being, is by participating and growing and, and making this part of our everyday lives. As long as that message is always coming out, you know, I you know, I align it back to what uh, successful students seem to have, which is the support system of people always asking about education with them. How are things going? How are you doing? Tell me what you did today. As long as education is always part of the conversation, that's going to help. And that's what we're trying to get in most of these kids' lives. Leaders need to be doing the same thing with their, their staff and administration on technology. You know, Talk about it. Getting it down to that level because that's where it's going to go. As you say, start from the top and trickle down. We eventually want to see the same thing. We want to see student success. And if this can help our students succeed, that's what we want to see. Right. I think that it's uh, part of what Michael Fullen calls uh, the unheroic uh, side of leadership. And that is that point. We always, you know, we everybody likes to be out front when it when everything is going great. We know we love Superman, but there's sometimes you have to be Clark Kent. And and it's that moment when you're Clark Kent is when you're having to learn and when you have to uh, sitting down and trying to develop a vision. Of, of what it is that you want the technology to do? What do you want it to look like in the district? What should, and when we finish doing this, what should it look like in the hands of our students and what should the outcomes be? You know, that whole visioning process. And see, and for some leaders, you know, from what we're talking about here, they they have to get into a of understanding enough of the technology to know what to develop in a vision. Because we're saying develop a vision, but too many, and that's the thing I think we really need, we want to get across is that in order to develop that vision and to articulate it, you have to have some involvement with the technology. You have to have some in, uh, some part of your life, and it should be integrated at some point. Again, you don't have to be a um, uh, the wizard or the or the guru or the or the sage on the stage, but you have to be willing, uh, like you said, that vulnerability to see to want to learn it enough to okay, this is if I'm leading, I need to know this is what I need to know in order to create this vision. You know. And, and you don't have to do all the work. That's when you have that collaborative piece with the CTOs and the, and the technology specialists and CTE and all of the other uh, different aspects of the, of the administration and the, and, the, and the system that will come together and help develop to see what is that going to look like. Uh, all the stakeholders, parents, uh, community leaders. It's, it's a group effort, but we must at right. some point have a, a vision of where because when you have that vision, then you're not you're not bothered by all of the the flashy objects. Okay, this is going over here. Well, that's great, but our vision is this, and this is where we're focusing our vision on. Yeah, I, I see all that, but when we look at it now, I don't think that really fits to what our vision. And that keeps you on point, and it keeps you from because you can waste a lot of money with technology. Yes, you can waste great. a lot of money. With I technology. heard this is an awesome tool. We are going to use it this year, but don't really think through the implications of what it looks like how um, it's going to affect, what, what, what support is going to be needed, um, and how to effectively use it. So, yeah, I've seen that a lot in the past from um, leaders who would just hear this awesome um, tool that should work, yet they haven't tested it out themselves. They just heard what it could do or maybe saw uh, an example of what it could do and thought that was the best thing that 
that their staff has to have. So let's spend this money and get everyone on board, but yet it doesn't get adopted. Yeah. Now, one of the things That's I want to go back on that Dr. Taylor was talking about was the stakeholders. And we've been talking about the school entity itself and the district, but the community and parents are just as much part of that. And this mm-hmm. cultural change includes them. And the leader that is going to help them is that principal of that school. That's the message that's going to go out. Here's here's our goal. Here's what we're going to be doing with technology. Here's what school is going to look like for your students. And uh, the community and the parents are as much a part of that, making it successful as anybody. If you don't have a vision for the technology in your district, uh, your vendors will gladly give you one. <laughs> yes, I like that. <laughs> they, they, they have one. They will have they they have one all lined out for you. If you don't have a vision of what you want the technology, trust me, there are several vendors that they they have them. They probably have them in their briefcase when they come to visit you. <laughs> yeah, but I was about to add on to what John was saying uh, about you know getting out to the community. Um, you know, this is another way that they can embrace um, technology. Is like okay, let's leverage using. Um, different video conferencing tools to have community meetings. Or, you know, um, I, I just did a session um, uh, earlier this week on uh, leadership matters and uh, innovative ways you can embrace technology as you, your leadership practice and just kind of sharing some different uh, things that they could do. And they can do simple things like create a, a playlist for PD resources. I mean, or even for parents, like there's so many different little things that you can do uh, to kind of embrace that culture to kind of help support that and, and support your outside community as well as your in-house community um, and continue to develop and kind of lead in small, small ways. Like your professional development meetings doesn't have to be full of announcements. Screencast what you want them to know and that long 20-minute uh, spill that you were going to uh, give to take up time that no one really wanted to listen to at that time because they're tired, <laughs> they've been working all day, and they're ready to go home. And so it's kind of going in one ear and out the other. You can turn it into a one minute podcast and get all those announcements out um, and or have them watch it before they come to the meetings. They have questions. And you can still hold them accountable for the information, but you don't have to um, waste so much time in, in, in those ways. You can maximize your time. It's like teachers can maximize their time with the instructional process and leverage technology to do that. And so I think those are some different ways that they can also um, embrace technology is being more efficient with their staff. Mm-hmm. And we also saw an evolution from this uh, parent involvement kind of evolved with this mm-hmm. because all of a sudden the parents became the new uh, aides from the classroom. Yes. They, they, they were having to help, you know, get the students on point. You know, they were because one of the things that we did was we had to, you know, go through and we were using um, our LMS. And we, of course, had to help the parents uh, navigate the LMS. And we and we focused on uh, when we did the lessons and how we presented things within the LMS, we con- we also had to consider that we have parents out here who are helping the students. We have grandparents out here who are helping the students <laughs> yes. and that we must then adopt how we do this so that it's available for everyone and, that, and it's feasible for everyone to um, to to get to the, the, the content. And so we so that has changed. And I think the districts who really invested and pulled actually pulled the parents, you had an opportunity to pull the parents closer to the district with this mm-hmm. because of the need and because you all had really depended upon each other, is that we had ability to really bring the parents closer to the schooling process and and bring them into the classroom uh in a much deeper level. And I think that's that's what's gonna keep those parents around. When I talked about parents leaving districts and can easily go virtually. But mm-hmm. those types of things of pulling those, pulling your, your parents in, it, it will work. It's almost going to keep them. Well, let's go ahead and move to our next segment of our show, which is I like to call Get Your Tech Together. And so in this segment of the show, I want you guys just to share some tech tools you feel that leaders should probably have in their digital toolbox that can help support them in embracing technology as a part of their leadership. Well, one of the ones that I always throw out, and I'm going to jump in here, Dr. Taylor. Go ahead. I think screencasting is as much as an important tool for teachers. I think it's important for leadership, too, just like uh, Dr. Mack was talking about, uh, being able to take all those big messages and stuff and just put it in a one minute video, send that to the staff or the leadership to look at and then come back. I think getting them to use those tools, because for those of us that are instructional technologists, we know they're actually not that hard. Once you get you know, a little bit of practice with it, it become very easy. And that's one of the tools that can save you time. 
right? Save that time, which is what everybody needs more of, including leadership. Uh, so I think anyone with screen, screencast-o-matics, looms, you know, screencastify, whichever one they want to do, just getting comfortable with one of those just to make your life easier and be able to, again, model the things that you want to do. You're using the technology in front of people and they see it. So that message is trickling down that, oh, this is part of our everyday life now. So screen is my thing. Um, I'll, let's see. I'm kind of go back to a throwback. Of course, I, I talked earlier about the RSS feed, you know, get, get you a reader and collect begin to collect that information to, to know who's saying what. Now, one of the tools I really like, though, that it, for me is uh, it's Pocket, and it's uh, I think it's GetPocket.com, I think, and it's uh, and it's just, a, it allows you to, it allows you to, let's say you're on a website or you sorry, see an article that you like, but you don't have time to read it, then you can, uh, it's, you can install the plugin in your browser, you can grab it and throw it in your pocket, and uh, so you can read it later. And it's just a great way to curate and grab things on the go, um, because if you're a leader, you see, uh, you know, if it's a, a, a PDF online, if it's a, a speech or something, a, a YouTube, it just you can just grab it, tag it. In other words, you know, put a tag on it and put, throw it in your pocket so you can go back and read it and find it later. Yeah, there's a lot of tools like that. You can do Google Keep um, mm. to do that. They have, I mean, if they start leveraging Chrome extensions to be more efficient, um, yeah. I think that is uh, an ex- excellent way for them to do little small things to in- embrace um, technology is part of their leadership. Um, and so, uh, yeah. Taylor, we're going to have to get together. I'm a big pocket user, so we can. I save like 10 things a day. I can't even yeah. read everything I save it. Yeah. Grab and stuff. Like I said, so when I'm going through those RSS feeds, hey, I throw in the pocket, <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's one of those tools that inside of education or outside education, if you show somebody who's a professional in anything, they love it. <laughs> Once they yeah. see it, oh my God, I have to have that. Yeah. Uh, okay. we talked about screencasting with you with Loom, Screencast-O-Matic, and, oh, yeah. um, and Screencastify. Dr. Taylor is suggesting to have RSS feeds and or get a, uh, an extension, uh, get Pocket uh, to uh, get resources to help support you uh, in going back to those resources at a later time when you don't have time. So what else do you, uh, are there... Uh, tools uh, that you would like to share? Uh, I like the tools that allow you to kind of take over people's screens. So there's <laughs> two. Uh, Nearpod was one we first started using, but then we started using Pear Deck this year. And both of these tools allow you to kind of control what people are watching if you're doing presentations and things like that. But it also allows for a lot of feedback. It It's super useful in the classroom uh, and I think it's one of those tools for teachers that is invaluable, but I'd love to see administrators utilize it with uh, their admin team or you know the leadership use it with the admin team. Then the admin team can use it with their teachers. And so it's one of those tools that can kind of float down because it works on all those levels. So I think introducing yourself to one of those two, uh, just so you can get the interaction and feedback from your participants, you'll kind of see the, the quick value of it. So I like those. Yes. If you're a Microsoft district, if you're, you know, if you're based in Microsoft, one of the things that there are a lot of just basic tools within just Office itself that, that leaders can use, particularly um, one thing that Microsoft's uh, AI is very good at uh, is their translator. So and it, and then their translator tool is built into all their products It's built into Word. It's into Outlook. So if you get an email, let's say from uh, from somebody from some of the Hispanic community and they and it's, and it's in Spanish, you can translate it right there inside the email. You can also write your response and translate it back and send it back. And what I found, uh, I use it all the time because when we're sending out documents and things to parents and I need to translate it. I don't go to the translators uh, that we have in the district. I use my Microsoft tool and then send them and let them proof it to see. And and they always come back with, oh, there's only like one or two things we have to change on here because that AI that's built into that, 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 that structure of Microsoft is really very good in translating. Um, Now this is something that you might want your CTOs. I mean, have your tech staff to help you with, but there is a feature within PowerPoint that will allow you to present and it does subtitles in a whole nother language. And you can actually use a QR code and choose the language. So you can have multiple languages uh, hearing or seeing the podcast, I mean, seeing the presentation in their own language as you just present in English. So there are just some base, it, those are those communication tools, you know, to, 
really uh, to talk with and bring in and draw in your stakeholders. Uh, yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right. They've done such a great job with all these translation tools. Uh, we use those as well, but also Immersive Reader, which is oh, now yeah. being embedded in a whole bunch of third-party programs. Uh, mm -hmm. Just from the aspect of, of communicating with the parents and the community, they can choose whatever language they want. They can have it read to them. Uh, if they're struggling readers, they can utilize that to have it read to them and and change the font size and stuff like that. So I think immersive readers, one of those tools that if your district has it, like you said, if you're a uh, Office 365 district, it's embedded in almost everything. You should really utilize it. Show your students that uh, could use the benefit from it, how to do it. So if they do need it, they have it. And the same thing with parents, communicating with them, do some strict lessons, show the community that what they can do with it. So I agree with you. I think the translation tools are phenomenal, especially They've come so far so fast. Yes. Yeah, well, I, I like all the things that you guys are sharing. So we talked about screencasting, leaders leveraging that to maximize um, their time and uh, efficiency, whether it was with their community or with their teachers, um, getting more knowledge using RSS feeds and get pocket on resources that they may find online, don't have time to read, but can build a repository and come back to. Um, and, you know, use, leveraging some of the tools that they already have access to and using them in different ways outside of just their presentation tools like in PowerPoint and other Microsoft products. And so I, I agree. So uh, let's go ahead and move to our last segment of the show, which I like to call the Tech Smackdown. And in the Tech Smackdown, um, audience will get to choose who they thought have the best tips. So you guys are going to share three tips that we can end the show with for administrators and we're going to go tip for tip. And so um, I, I know John has been on the show before and we've done paper, rock, scissors on who goes first. Um, for, I'm actually going to let Dr. Taylor go ahead and go first. I'm going to nominate him to go first. And so you guys can share our tip and then we'll go back and forth until we get to three. So Dr. Okay, Taylor, okay. you're up. <laughs> uh, well, I'll kind of go back to one tip that I had mentioned earlier. Um, the first place I would start is get you a support system by going over to COSIN, uh, COSIN.org. Um, that's the first place to go if they have tons of uh, their stuff that's research-based, but there's just things and tools and guides, uh, things to look out for, um, from, cyber, from cyber security to data privacy to, you know, stakeholders, just, there's just so, there's a rich wealth of things. So I would definitely start there. Yeah, I think my, my main one would be to let your staff, your administration staff, know that your plan is just for growth. Again, don't push them too hard, too fast. Let them know that, that you just want to see a constant little little steps to get to the long, to the end of the race, right? And so as long and embrace that, you know? So if you, if you tell them that, then you should showcase it. If you see somebody who's doing that, doing exactly what you asked, let everybody know, celebrate that. Uh, so people know that it's it's on the radar, right? Because there's so many things that are happening. I think you letting them know that you just want to see growth and you don't expect a very novice uh, instructor who's maybe not that comfortable yet to to become this high flyer. You just want to see the baby steps going in and reward them for it. There is no such thing as it. So there's not that one application that you're going to use that's going to do everything. There's not this one. There's not this one vendor. There's not. And even if you get and you start developing a system of technology and you start getting comfortable with it, please do not try to stay there. You have got to know that that is only for a moment or a season and that you should be asking the question, does what does the next level look like? Uh, I think the next one would be incorporating something that you want to model, you know, get go find something. Uh, like you're saying, it's not the it thing, it's just the thing for right now, give it a shot and let people know that you're also participating in the game. And you be open to ambiguity. Um, in other words, we're moving forward, but we don't know um, how everything may look uh, as we go. We don't know, you know, because because you're in an area like COVID showed us that we don't have a uh, we don't have a blueprint for this. So we're actually being forced to look at ambiguity now, and so we're going to have to get comfortable with that. And and that I don't have have to all of the I don't have to know all the answers right now. Right. But that's where that vision comes in. But I have a vision. But I know I want to go in this direction. I don't. I may not know exactly what it's going to look like when I get there. 
but I have a vision of what I think it can be. No, that's all a good right, one. Uh, all right, my last one, number three. Uh, be comfortable with the idea of changing what your administration is going to look like on a campus. It's specifically one of the positions that is not a regular position, but I think should be as much as an assistant principal is a campus instructional technologist. That you should you should look at that as becoming one of the strongest members of your team because you will get more bang for your buck from having that position on your campus than almost anything else. This year especially shows that, but what we were just talking about, the new normal, this is part of the new normal. And so to have that person support your teachers and staff on a regular basis, I think is the most valuable thing you could do. So if you're not comfortable with having a campus instructional technologist, please try to get comfortable with that idea. It is well worth having it. Well, I want to thank you guys for joining me today, and I hope I can have you back on again. Um, Dr. Taylor, you know, John's been a regular. I hope we can see you again for- I'll be back, I promise. <laughs> and I, I appreciate yeah, all the here. Um, and so before we end, if you can uh, just share with the listeners how they can be a part of your network and continue to uh, learn and grow, we can all be a part of the same personal learning network. But you can okay, find uh, me on Twitter. I am. Go ahead. Go ahead, go ahead John. You're there. No, it's me. All right. You can follow me just at my name, at John Amundsen. That's my Twitter handle. And uh, you can follow the things I follow. Chat chat with me. And uh, let's just grow in this industry together. I think finding those, like Dr. Taylor was saying, finding that group of people that share kind of your vision or your passion for this industry. Besides learning new things, it actually, in you know, gives you ideas and, and gets you excited about about this industry, and it kind of keeps you going. Uh, this year, more than anything, is showing we we need that sometimes, and uh, these little things can help. So you can follow me at John Amundsen on Twitter. Uh, you can follow me at uh, it's at Scholarly Tech. So uh, that's my Twitter handle. Uh, you should see there. Um, I'm right now uh, just doing um, I've, I've always liked Twitter uh, Twitter has just been one of those places I've been because in Twitter you can always uh, reach out and connect with people who you've never really talked to I've you know had conversations with um, artists and stars and, and that sort of thing um, actually that's how I got to I actually got to know Mario Armstrong we, we, we convinced him to come to uh, ISTE and uh, be a part of ISTE one year so uh, at Scholarly Tech is my Twitter handle yeah, I'm already following you. I got you this morning. <laughs> and see, look, we're connect- we're making connections here on the Take It Up Talk podcast. So um, it was an honor to have you guys on the show. Please follow Dr. Taylor and Mr. John Amundsen um, and become part of their network. You can also follow the show at Take It Up Talk. And you can follow me at Dr. J.E. McDonald. And so I just want to thank you all for joining us today. And I hope we were able to make a positive impact, give you some things uh, to think about and reflect on as we're all looking for the common goal of supporting our students. And so I want to leave you with, tech it may not always be easy, but it sure is fun. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Thank you for listening to the Tech It Up Talk podcast with Dr. Mack, your host with the most passion for supporting educators on using and implementing technology. Be sure to connect with me on the Tech It Up Talk Facebook page and Twitter and Instagram at Tech It Up Talk or at Dr. J.E. McDonald. Now, I know teching may not always be easy, but it sure is fun. <laughs>